welcome. You're listening to the MCMI podcast, where a cop, an IT guy, a musician, and a pastor get together and just talk about different nerdy things. Enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here. Thanks for uh, joining in today with us. I'm here with Chris and Nick. Uh, Matt couldn't make it to this one, but uh, we're just going to talk about uh, a mutual love that we have, a big franchise that many people have strong opinions on. Um, We're talking about Star Wars. The Phantom Menace, uh, concluding for sure with who we think the Phantom Menace is. But first things first, overall impressions of the Phantom Menace having... All of us, I think, have recently watched it in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it's that bad of a movie. I really think that it gets kind of a bad rap. I think there's lots of bad parts of it. But it's at least somewhat entertaining for it being, what, from 2000? Yeah, that sounds right. right. I was in middle school when it came out, so that sounds about right. Yeah, so... Um, I mean, sure, there's uh, some terrible acting, some terrible dialogue, but that seems to go in course with Star Wars itself. Yeah, the props also, um, I think they really upgraded it for episode one. Like, I can vividly remember looking forward to going to Taco Bell and, like, <laughs> you know, you remember those, you guys remember yeah. the, oh, those cups? Yeah. Well, not the cups, but the toys. Taco Bell, oh, the, KFC, yeah. and yeah, Pizza Hut, I think, because I think that's the Yum brand. They sure. had, oh, like, no. the, they had, like, the toys in the boxes, and it was the different planets, and. Yeah, it was awesome. I just, I remember how, like, vivid, and, and that's the coolest thing, too, is, like, when episode one of The Phantom Menace came out. Uh, there was just so much nostalgia already from that because everybody grew up watching episodes four through six. And it was like you had to have all the Taco Bell cups, the the one with Darth Maul, the one with Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan. So, um, yeah, I have, I have some good um, nostalgia about episode one. So, speaking of nostalgia, I can vividly remember the moment I saw Darth Maul when he hit that second lightsaber and it came out the other end. Like, did you guys have the same, like, holy crap. Like, this this dude is meaning business. Exactly, yeah. Or was that just me? I think think when we saw that, there, every, every, even if you weren't seriously into the original, like, episodes four through six, you were committed to like watching this new trilogy. It was so different too. You'd never seen anything like that, a double-sided lightsaber before, let alone a red one. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I think too, the, the soundtrack played such a big part. It's always played a big part in the series, but that, you know, the duel of the fates, that whole fight sequence, you know, it was such, it was so well composed for what was going on. But on the flip side of that, so the opening of episode four, there's no dialogue. You see this tiny ship that's Princess Leia's, you know, that ship. And then you see this giant Star Destroyer. And and we look at episode one, and it's like, would you like some tea? Here you go. We're going to gas your room. I don't know. It's just a strange... It- 
It's called Star Wars, not Star Peace. (laughs) Did you find it odd that, you know, when I rewatched it, did anybody else find it odd that, you know, here this guy comes in and goes, hey, would you guys like some tea? And they're both like, oh, I appreciate you. And they just drink it like, does it not bug you at all that you're like, if that was me, I would be like, I'm good. I'm good, Viceroy. Thanks. You can get away from me. I did think that that was strange. I thought it was strange that they were so willing uh, to just drink the tea that the droid came in with. Um, yeah, exactly. Bec- but I don't know. See, that's the thing. We don't know like the full arsenal of a of a Jedi and Padawan's like powers. Like, what's what's a subtle power versus what's an overpowered power? You know what I mean? Um, it's entirely possible that as Jedi, they have the ability to like let their metachlorians interact with the the matter that makes up the tea. I don't know. Like, it's well, because <laughs> also, I mean, the way that they react to the 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 neurotoxin being poured into the room, they seem to know immediately. But they, it's barely started going off before they're like, "Oh, we're in trouble." What, what did they call them again? They called the gas dioxins? Dioxin, yeah. 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 You know what I did find that was funny? It was the fact that they were both just like, <sighs> another gas chamber room. <gasps> and then they just like hold their breath and the next thing you see is that door just busting wide open. It, which, did, it did seem a little business as usual, which <laughs> I thought was strange. Here, here we go again. Yeah, it's it was almost and you know I apologize if this reference offends anyone, but like it almost seemed like a, a a Pulp Fiction moment, you know, where um, Jules and uh, what was the other one? Jules and it's been uh, a while. Vincent, since I've seen it. I think it was Vincent, Jules and that Vincent. That sounds right. You know, they're just they they go in there and they're like, oh, stuff's hit the fan. Just whip out our lightsabers and. Go to town. Yeah, yeah. Quentin Tarantino movies is for the next podcast. <laughs> um, so, Ben, what is your impression of Jar Jar Binks? Well, I mean, he's, he's easy to hate. Which, given you know, the circumstances of how they find him, which is another deep dive, but just the fact that they separate onto different ships, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, when they're going down, Qui-Gon's like, we should separate, which I don't think makes any sense. But anyway, they end up somehow close together, but then also end up running into Jar Jar. So if we're going to say the Force made all that happen, that's great. Um, But... He's very much like a useless character. Well, I can tell you this about Jar Jar Binks. I just, I can't stand him. Because one thing that I cannot stand is just, like, everything about Jar Jar Binks is just pure dumb luck. Like, you know, he's like, hey, let's go to this city. And then, like, then you go, well, I'm not really welcome there. And then he gets there. And instead of them, like, killing him, he just happens to be able to escape with the Jedi. And then he just happens to be able to escape with, um, you know, when they're going through the core and, you know, the bigger fish in the core. Qui-Gon has to say his, there's always a bigger fish joke. And then, 
you know, like in two or three occasions, of course, there's a bigger fish. And then, you know, at this scene when they're fighting the droid army, like he just happens to get stuck on the back of that, uh, you know, chariot that's carrying all those uh, electro balls and he just happens to knock them off and they just happen to destroy all these ships. He just happens to get attacked by a droid and he breaks it in half accidentally and then it's flinging it around and it accidentally shoots a whole bunch of other droids and and it's just I just can't stand his his dumb luck and how well everything just worked out for him and his voice his voice is pretty terrible too so what I'm hearing is you're saying Jar Jar Binks is the source of Obi-Wan's line to Han Solo in episode 4 of in my experience there's no such thing as luck I guess yeah <laughs> Because that's another thing is it's like I was just getting ready to say because I remember them saying something along the lines of like I make my own luck. Not necessarily that, but that they didn't believe in luck. And then here he is just getting dumb lucky, which also goes against the fact that, uh, you know, that rumor that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord. He's uh, it's too terrible to be a Sith Lord. No, I, I mean, I think it's brilliant. Again, it's a deep dive for some other time, but. Well. Nick, what do you think of him? You seem to be the uh, middle person on this one. Yeah, I, I, there are times where I actually find his um, his lack of etiquette, his lack of manners and stuff like that, it's kind of refreshing because everyone else in the episode one through three universe, they're very, hmm, what's the word I want to use? They're very, like, predictable. They're very, like, it doesn't take long to understand the motivations of these characters. But, like, he is kind of this enigmatic character, right? When you when you look in the, in the context of, like, his company. Um, you never would have thought a Gungan would have, like, followed... First of all, they're... In, they're amphibious creatures right so the fact that he followed them to Tatooine which is one of the driest planets in the entire Star Wars galaxy that I mean life dead or not <laughs> you know it, it does speak to like who who he is though I think he does show a sense that like even though he doesn't understand everything that's going on in in the whole big big scheme of things like even when he got promoted to general right he didn't know, like, how to be a general. He was totally oh, unqualified. So but you're, I, I so you're love saying that he just about had him dumb luck? Because in the Star Wars galaxy, like, you could literally... <laughs> in the Star Wars galaxy, you could literally say that, in a way, Jar Jar is the American dream. Because he starts out from nothing. What? He starts out from... No, listen. Oh, come on. No one can up on me now. You could you could literally say like he starts from nothing, right? And he happens to run into these guys. You can call it good fortune, you could call it bad luck, I don't know. But considering how he made out of the whole thing, I think he did pretty well. And you we see that like in pop culture like every day, you know, you see like a new American Idol is born or or whatever. It's like and it's all because of the company that they keep and the people, the connections that they have and the obligations that they honor and they they aim to do better and 
in a way, in a way, I'm not saying that that was the goal with Jar Jar or even the rest of the Gungan people, but I do feel like you could say that in his case. At least that's Gosh, Nick. Why don't you marry him? Oh, come on now. Listen, what you're basically saying is that Jar Jar has super dumb luck and just gets lucky with everything because he's a super linear character and everything just falls right into place for him, just like it does for a lot of people in Star Wars. Cough, cough. Well. Last Star Wars movie. Well, and it may be a little soon to get to this, but, you know, I, I think there's a few choice characters that we would love to have seen more of but didn't because their luck had run out, you know? Mm. So. Yeah. All right, so outside of Jar Jar Binks, Nick, least favorite character? Ooh. I'm going to say it's, oh, it's kind of a toss between the two, like, main characters. Like, it's either going to be Padme or it's going to be kid Anakin because hold on you're saying Anakin and Padme are the main characters of episode one no, no, no. okay hold on hold on we haven't <laughs> we even gotten there yet but then I know you feel strongly about this but just give me the stage for just a moment man all right so my least favorite characters are these two because of the fact that that they're not characters they're just yeah you could say that they're kind of like foreshadowings of of like because once you hear the name Anakin, knowing, you know, from episode, um, was it six, where they actually talked about the identity identity of, like, Vader and who he was and all that, um, and that he used to be a friend of Obi-Wan's, and actually I think he trained him. But, like... Well, no, that was well, yeah, that's episode that's four. four. I mean, that's Luke's initial conversation. Oh, my bad. Talking yeah. to. Yeah, yeah because like, that's when he says that Vader killed his dad. Vader killed Anakin. Right. So, but, spoiler, Anakin is Darth Vader, just if y'all didn't know. Just in case no one what? knew. Sorry. <laughs> no! <laughs> come on, Ben, come on. No, but seriously, though, um, they're probably my least favorite characters, just because, like, at least Annie has the, the fact that, like, he brings us into his world on Tatooine, a side of Tatooine we'd never seen before about the pod races, and who knows if those were even going on, like, 20 years later when you know, Luke is, is growing up there, but like we see this whole kind of underground wor- uh, world or crime syndicate that's running Tatooine and everyone's having a great time, you know? So I thank Annie for that, but none of that makes up for the boring dialogue, the, the kind of emotionless line reading that I don't even know who played kid Annie, but like, it was, just so, it was so painfully bland, and it didn't have, like, any emotion whatsoever. And you could almost say that for most of the acting in Episode 1. In Padme's case, if I wanted to go more that way, um, I did not like the fact that she was throwing out some... I know she was 14, but she was still throwing out some, some very inappropriate vibes at that age, and I just was not... Like with Annie, come on. Let's you let's can't take tell three seconds. Okay, so so let's let's go to now they've left Naboo and they're trying to get to Tatooine, and uh-huh. Padme, who at this point for whatever reason is a yeah. uh, handmaiden, and her handmaiden decoy is the queen. Thank you. They decide Thank you. to honor R two D two for doing his job. 
I guess so Padme can have this awkward conversation with Anakin so that Anakin can give her the, like, necklace? For me, my least favorite character is Qui-Gon Jinn. And I'll tell you why as shortly what? as I can. Don't you do it. I'm sorry. He has Gosh. literally. What's, what is Qui-Gon Jinn's personality? He is stoic and random. There is no, there's absolutely no sense to any decision he makes. Uh, that is not true. He tries to use the force every chance he gets to manipulate people to do things that he wants. Great. So we're not even there yet. So he he tells, I already said this, but he tells Obi-Wan, hey, let's go on separate ships going down to this planet invasion from, from the Trade Federation, right? They happen to end up in Gungan, the Gungan city. They almost get ran over together. Right. Which, and also, somehow, geographically, I don't understand this, but the Gungan cities on the opposite side of Naboo, if they're going through the planet core to get there the fastest they can... Either the Gungan leader is just trolling them, or they've just really miscalculated. Right. Well, judging by how that guy is, I'm going with the second. He uh, he's trolling. Yeah. So so then they leave the planet, and I, we we were talking about this earlier, not on this podcast, but but outside of this, they decide to go to Tatooine. Why? Okay. So, but speaking of that. So this is where that part comes up. For those that are listening, they are just flying, trying to get away, and then they decide to go to a planet that is completely out of the way. Not completely but, out of the way, but almost as far away as Coruscant. But in the, well, in, the in, reason, in an opposite direction. Exactly. Well, they had, exactly. But here's the thing. This, and I'm not defending it. I'm just letting you know what, why. The reason why they go there is because Obi-Wan says... Like, hey, there's this planet. It's not a part of any federation. It's way far out there. You know, there's no patrolling or anything out there. They're like, so we're safe here. There's no he patrolling, but there's it's, also it's, no Republic presence. Yeah, but that but they wanted to go there to hide. Why? Because Why would they not go to a Republic-controlled system where they're going to be safe? Their credits are going to be good because he tries to trade with Watto, and Watto's like, Republic credits aren't going good because he's a Jewish stereotype, but apparently no money is good enough for him. Like, oh, come on. No, but seriously, like, it just, unless you're going to argue that, well, the Force brought him there, which that's pretty much the argument for most of the choices for, for episode one. That they're that clearly someone else is in control because Qui Gon Jinn isn't, but he's just doing whatever he feels like in the moment. Well, in in his defense, Obi Wan is the one who said, "Hey, this is this is a planet that's out of the way and it's not controlled by the Federation, so we can hide there until things settle down." Right. So it's. I mean, it still continues oh, the whole thing. It, no, 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 no. Here's why. Um, because their uh, their hyperdrive or whatever was messed up, was and so they didn't have enough power to get to. So they had to get the ship fixed, and so that was a ship that that place was out of the way, and that's why they went there. It's out of the way, but it's not that much more there. out of the way than going somewhere else. It's okay. not like Tatooine was the nearest planet that could help them. So here, here's the here's the thing that I that really underlines the whole like. It does not make sense about Tatooine. It really does not. Like, I completely agree with Ben where he's coming from. He's like, 
not only is it as far away from Naboo as Coruscant is, but you're going almost completely the opposite direction. You're you're not going closer to the core of the Star Wars galaxy. And anybody that wants to look up an image of the Star Wars galaxy to see in relation to like where these supposedly exist, these star systems, if you look at where Naboo is, it's kind of on the cusp already, right? To the Outer Rim territories. But Tatooine is definitely in the Outer Rim territories. That's why there is no Republic presence there. And regardless, you know, we go back to like why... Qui-Gon is the one that decided. He's like, you know, but I think Obi-Wan was the one that found it on the scanner in the first place. So yes. He, he brought Obi-Wan it up. Obi-Wan finds then, it. And then Qui-Gon just kind of like elaborates. He's like, oh yeah, that's a great choice. And he, you know, he's like, that would be a great hiding spot for us. And why? Correct. And then, okay, so that's fine. Then who does Qui-Gon take with him into the city that they land on near Tatooine? Not the captain of the ship or the fellow Jedi. He takes the rabbit, who has proved useless. <laughs> and he takes the queen that, at this point, we actually don't know is the queen. She's the, the handmaiden. handmaiden. All right, all right. Well, listen, since I don't want to sit here and bash on Qui-Gon, because he is one of my favorite characters. But since we're sitting here bashing on Qui-Gon, let me go ahead and tell you something that annoys me really, really bad about him. So, we're at the end of the movie. He's fighting Darth Maul, right? He's fighting Darth Maul. Now, he is a Jedi master. He has been a Jedi for some time. Now, I understand they even say it in the movie that the Sith have been gone for a millennium. And, you know, they haven't seen him in a very long time. But you have an apprentice, Sith Lord, and then a Jedi master. I think that in a one-on-one battle, it shouldn't be Qui-Gon getting punched in the nose is why he gets killed. Like, it should have been, I don't know, you know, my favorite thing that we've talked about, a force push, something, some big distraction. But no, he literally just, boop, bops him on his nose. And that's enough for Qui-Gon to, like, hold his face and get stabbed in the chest. And, and that be the end of it. Can we also, I would also like to bring up, it's also interesting to me that the fact that a lightsaber is able to melt that big door that they were trying to get through to get to the Viceroy, <laughs> but the fact that it goes through Obi-Wan, not Obi-Wan, I'm sorry, it goes through Qui-Gon Jinn and not a single part of him caught on fire, you're going to tell me that that thing can melt metal, but his robe didn't burst into flames from well, his I, punch in the face that he should have been able to block? I feel, well, first of all, okay, human... We're assuming that, you know, Jedi humanoids are humans, you know, because they're so much like us in in appearance. And, well, we're like 70% water. And it takes a while for... It takes a while for water to boil, man. (laughs) Like, I'm just saying. Nick, he put his lightsaber through probably three feet of metal. Yes. And it started melting instantly. You're going to tell me the burlap sap that he's wearing... That is his outfit isn't going to catch on fire when he takes a lightsaber through the chest. Okay, first thing, we don't know what the doors were made of. Okay, we, we have to assume that they were glass and, and metal. Okay, but hear me out. We don't know what the material of the, of the blast doors were on that, that Hulk battle cruiser or whatever. What we do know, though, is that... We've seen countless instances where people will have, like, limbs swiped off 
and you know it instantly cauterizes right all i'm saying is that the lightsaber wasn't inside or didn't you know um um it didn't go through qui-gon for long enough or wasn't there long enough to really do anything we don't really know how long qui-gon had his lightsaber in the blast door before it started like really the lightsaber into Qui-Gon and out is quick whereas Qui-Gon when he's taking his lightsaber into the door is holding it there right so it's not like but you're gonna, Darth but, Maul doesn't go but you don't think no I really don't I mean from a, again from a physics perspective if you think about something that has to catch on fire like if you ever try to catch paper on fire it doesn't immediately incinerate right but if I was to hold if I was to hold if I was to hold a lighter onto a piece of paper for, say, one second and then take it away, there's going to be some burn marks there, right? Yeah, well, and you, and you see that around his body. Because the other thing about lightsabers, and again, this is a, just could be a, a total deep dive, but the fact that they don't burn their hands, like, look how close their hands are to the lightsaber. I right? So We've had that discussion. So, so there's, there, there is a, a, an element of realizing that the way that the energy of a lightsaber works is a little bit different than, like, a flamethrower. I get that. I just think that what he's wearing, and again, this all goes back to the fact that he should have never got punched in the face and took the lightsaber to the chest to begin with. Well, but because he shouldn't be a character. I, I, <laughs> hey, let's... So since we're on that scene... Does it not, um, since we're talking about, you know, flaws and things that make us question things, does it not bother you the fact that Darth Maul watched uh, Obi-Wan just hanging there and instead of just, like, reaching down, like, another foot or two and, and, like, poking him in the forehead with his lightsaber, he just, like, struck the top of it and just let, uh, like, sparks fall on him like he was just, like, taunting him? Or why didn't he just, like, force push him there? I mean... If we have another 30 minutes, we can analyze the entire lightsaber scene <laughs> of the end and talk about we've already, that it's, we've, there's so much nonsense going on. Hey, listen, I think that is one of my favorite scenes, though, is just the Obi-Wan, just the Obi-Wan Darth Maul scene. Like, I feel like Obi-Wan really brings it right then, because, you know, Sith Lords are his specialty. Yeah. That's a little uh, episode three joke for you. The Star Wars prequels do <laughs> a great job two. of talking about the, all the great things they do without showing them. That you never see. But that we got we to gotta stay on episode one. <laughs> That's the next week's. Ugh. Well, what do you think some final thoughts could be on this movie, Ben? What is your uh, final... I think you should, what about like a, like a one out of 10, what would you give it? For, I mean, that's hard. One out of 10 on just like overall? Overall. Unless, Nick, you think it should be something. Yeah, I mean, I, I would give it a four. Wow. You know, it's got some great effects. That's kind of it's kind of harsh. But listen, it's a it's a film. So if it's a if it's a scale of films compared to other films, the plot doesn't make any sense. A lot of the characters don't make any sense. It looks beautiful. 
as all the prequels do, because it was like the the renaissance of visual effects. Um, and and there's less in that one than there are in the next two episodes, and so yeah, I appreciate that. There are. But it just it, it it when I when I was twelve, I loved it. I am not twelve. <laughs> and now that you're thirteen, right? Well, and and you know the other the other side of that too is just, I mean it. It's a mess, and it gets messier as as the prequels go on. I mean, you look at the very end scene, and it's four different things going on. Anakin is in the Naboo Starfighter destroying the Trade Federation thing. You've yeah. got the Trade Federation too much fighting going on. with Gungans. You've got the duel of the fates with the three, the two Jedi and the and the Sith, and then you've got the Queen trying to take the Viceroy. And it's just like the but uh, and on top of that, it's not just that there's there's four things going on, but the mood of them are so different because the Jedi is very serious. The Anakin stuff is very silly. The, the Naboo stuff is sort of like, it feels like a Batman movie. It feels like the, like Michael Keaton, Batman, like, which I love the Michael Keaton, Batman, but that's not star Wars to me. It's just very strange. And then the Gungan fight. I mean, we've already talked about Jar Jar and his incredible luck. It just, it, 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 it's representative. The end is representative of the mess that led up to it. I don't know. That the whole movie is. Right. I think the most interesting story that we never get to hear is the wife of Ben Quadrinos, who is the guy who has the, the, pod, the, the pod racer with the four uh, engines, and then it blo- like he can't start with Anakin, and then he blows uh-huh. up. <laughs> and we never find out what happens to her or the kids. You see the kids, and that's a way more interesting story than anything else they told. Wow. You know what? Speaking of that pod racing scene. Did did you not feel like that movie was full of just like random like tidbits of trying to have nostalgic moments like when the sand people are shooting at the pods as they're driving by? Like Oh, but that I felt like that was that was just a random just throw it in just to have it or to have Jabba the Hutt be there sleeping. Well, it's it's not only nostalgia, but it's also how many different toys can I sell? Yeah, that's true. George Lucas, George Lucas is a genius at making money. George Herbert Walker Lucas. That's George fair. Lucas is the Phantom Menace. Oh, oh here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, Shots fired. For the record, that's not true. Uh, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> well, that's true. But anyway, yes, um, my rating would be four out of ten. It's not a horrible movie. I have not gone out of my way to watch it like I have 4, 5, and 6, or even some of the newer movies. But I've watched it the most out of the prequel trilogy. Mm, I have too. Um, I think I'm going to go with... I think I'm going to give it a much better score than 10. I'm going to give it a 6. Um... I definitely don't think it is the worst of the movies out of the uh, the opening three. I think it it has you know it has its faults, um, but I think overall like it's a good movie. I know Ben was kind of dogging on the plot and all, but I think it kind of does a good, a decent setup of what's looking at um, like what's going to be happening in the near future. You know, it does set up 
Anakin becoming a Padawan to, to start his Jedi training. It does start their somewhat awkward romance that they have. Um, although Anakin is a lot more respectful in this movie than he is in the, uh, the other two movies. He turns into a little punk. But um, I feel like he's also more yeah. grateful because I don't think he's really yeah. had friends before this. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. So I think a 6 out of 10 is a pretty good rating. Um, it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's, it's an entertaining movie. Uh, you know, if you like Star Wars as much as we do, obviously you can nitpick and, and tear it apart to as much as you want to because there's definitely plenty to do that. But I think... You know, I just had a friend of mine just watch Star Wars for the very first time. And Nick, I wish you could have seen his face when, I mean, he's seen no Star Wars movie. And he just watched episode one, like yesterday. And when I told him, like, I assumed that everybody in the whole world knew that Anakin turned into Darth Vader. When I said, yeah, later on, Anakin turns into Darth Vader. He was like, shut up. No, like I blew his mind. So, Wait, so he'd, he'd, never, seen, he'd never seen a Star Wars movie but he knew who single, Darth Vader was. He knew who Darth Vader was. He had no clue that Anakin turned into him because he was even like, oh, I even, I bet that guy in, in the Senate is the evil emperor. And I was thinking, yeah, no kidding. I bet you didn't know the boy was uh, Darth Vader. And he was like, what? So I ruined the whole movie for him, which is fine. But uh, yeah, he, he liked the movie. So I think if you just see the movie for what it is and you don't deep dive into it like we're doing and go down rabbit holes of plots and things like that, it's a good movie. Six out of ten. I'm sticking with it. All right. Which is still a D in the American public school system. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Nick? Well, since since I I seem to be the one that's... a little more even killed about this movie. And I'm, I don't have a whole lot of harsh comments about it, except for, like I said, the ridiculousness of uh, young Annie and, and uh, Pat, their inappropriate love. Exactly. Um, like, I think, I think that made me uncomfortable even when I was a kid, you know, cause I was like, <laughs> I uh, want a 14 year old. What's going on here? Um, but, I want a queen. <laughs> but, but that being said, um, yes, there are a lot of like things that really set this movie back. They make it stand out, but like, I don't know what the budget was for shooting and and the and the post production effects and all of that. But like, I just feel like for the for, for it being the literal episode one, we get to. See, we could have got to see so much more of the Star Wars universe than they allowed us to see. Um, I'm gonna have to give it a for the f- record a five. It's I would give it a hundred and fifteen million. Hundred and fifteen million was the budget, and it made a little over one billion. Okay, all right. Well, that's a nice return. That's, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's a pretty good. And is that just box office returns, or is that also merchandise? That is box office. Is one. Point oh which goes back to my assertion that George Lucas knows how to make money. Right, right. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and 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 when you kind of incorporate that knowledge into you know trying to give it an honest rating, I, 
Um, so, technically, Lucas directed for uh, Irvin Kirshner did five, and then uh, Richard Marcand did six. But hmm. Gary Kurtz was the producer, and he had a big influence. Anyway, the long story short is he he was given almost complete creative control in the prequel trilogies based on how much money and how popular the things were. Right. And that's that's where it all went wrong, though. That's, I think we can all agree on that. Which Absolutely. makes him the Phantom Menace. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's going to be... There's, you know, I know there's going to be a few people out there that are going to listen to this, and they're going to agree wholeheartedly with Ben on this. But Oh, absolutely. Seriously, but I, think, I know you've watched the films, but go watch the behind the scenes. Okay, but I think... <laughs> I think that if, within the canon of the actual film, not the creators of it, I think the Phantom Menace in this case, I think, is... Jar Jar. Palpatine. No, Palpatine. <laughs> Goodness, Palpatine. man. Goober. Uh, it's always something. Oh. Well, guys, I think uh, with a uh, combined score of 5 out of 10, mm-hmm. um, the movie is not probably the worst. This is not going to be the worst rated movie I think that we get uh, for uh, Star Wars films. No. So, well, uh, do you guys got anything else you want to bring up? We're at about, yeah, we're maxing out here. So, um, five out of ten. It's a good movie, not a great movie. It's a, uh, that was all right. I'd show it to my kids. I'd show it to my kids. Yeah, you'd show it to your kids and then you'd go, now kids, let me ask you, why did he not force push him right there? And then your kids (laughs) are going to be like, oh, no, dad. (laughs) I bet Chris, Chris loses sleep over these questions. Listen, I can tell you this right now. I can guarantee you every podcast that we do that involves Star Wars, I'm going to bring up an instance where somebody could have force pushed somebody and, and it changed the entire Star Wars galaxy. I will tell you this. But we, do, we don't. I will tell you this, Chris. If I had any doubts about what each of us, like our favorite like force ability would be, I have no doubt that yours would be the force push ability. A hundred percent. Well, and if we really want to get controversial, mm-hmm. if Ray could heal, uh, um, why can't I think of his name? Adam Driver. Kylo, Kylo Ren. Ren. Right. So if Ray could heal Kylo Ren from a lightsaber attack, why couldn't Obi Wan heal Qui Gon Jinn? You know, but see, she only got those abilities after she got all of the tomes of knowledge for the, the Je- Jedi teachings from Luke. Right, but where did Luke learn it from? From the, from the tomes. He spent his entire life going around the galaxy to, to get them, and then he read them, and then guys, he put them... Guys, guys, episode one. Anyway. Episode one. <laughs> oh, man. That is a discussion for another podcast. Well, next time well, then. Ne- well, about in like the ninth time from now, because that's where we'll be at. That's right. Uh, well, without anything else, thanks for listening to uh, our uh, podcast, MC and I. We really enjoyed uh, doing this. I had a great time. 
lots of uh, in-depth conversation that I cannot wait for next week. Now, on behalf of Chris, Nick, myself, and Matt, thanks for listening. We'll be back with episode two next week. See ya!